1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alv 954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
2: Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast and show that's found on the Five Reasons Sports Network. It's also found every day from 10 a.m to 11 a.m eastern time on the nothing but net channel that's on dash radio so download the dash radio app look for nothing but net and then look for us at 10 a.m every day like i said monday through friday also check out five reasons sports.com spell it out f-i-v-e reasonsports.com where you can find all of our latest content that includes our podcast, including Three Yards Per Carry, Five Rings, Canes, Balls, Cast, Light Skin, Opinions, and Shulable. And also, you can find our merchandise and our YouTube channel. Today's post-game episode, after the Heat lose to the Toronto Raptors, is brought to you. And this is an appropriate sponsor because you might need one of these right now. Biscayne Bay Brewing. That's the official brewery of the Five Reasons Sports Network, also of Inner Miami. And of course, of the Miami Marlins are actually getting back to play this week. We're not sure with who, but they are getting back to play this week. Biscayne Bay Brewing is South Florida's actual independent brewery. It's owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. I'm in. Central Florida now, but they make it right there in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and supporting five reason sports. So we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff. Marlins lager, Miami pale ale, tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the beer we're drinking at five reason sports. Make sure to follow their Twitter handle too, at Biscayne Bay brew. And now today's episode. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. I've got Alex Toledo for the first part of this episode. We're doing things a little bit differently. Here is the floor plan. Um, We're going to start to do these post-game pods to get them up quickly, and then we're going to do other episodes at night, kind of release them separately, and then put them together for Dash Radio. So wherever you're hearing us right now, um, that is the plan going forward. Toronto Raptors beat the Miami Heat. Today by, I guess, what was the final score? They ended up winning by two, Alex, because Dragic had that late layup. Yeah, no, four. Uh, 107 to 103. Uh, The Raptors beat the Heat. The Heat go to one and one here in the bubble. They've got six games left, including a Tuesday's game against the Boston Celtics, which I am am hoping to get into the arena to cover. Alex, we're going to go through five takeaways today, but first, overall impressions of today's game. I mean,
1: honestly... I think we saw how ugly it got there. It was crazy to see them come back from down 17 in the third quarter. I was pretty down on the game at that point. I was just hoping it didn't get ugly because it would kind of make a lot of Heat fans look bad. And, you know, all these clips of Jimmy Butler saying, have they beat the Miami Heat yet? Which was a question about the Toronto Raptors specifically. I thought all of that was going to get put to shame and a blowout. I was getting worried about that. But we saw Duncan Robinson be pretty much as neutralized as he has been all season where he's been the best shooter in the league. And I think they kind of survived. At the end of the day, they neutralized the heat's formula by neutralizing Duncan Robinson, but we saw them fight and survive and saw that they have other shooters and other guys who can contribute. But uh, they definitely, I think went at the heat's over-reliance on Duncan Robinson. and I don't say over-reliance to have a negative uh, connotation, but that's where it's at now, right? They knew that the Heat relied on him so much to generate their number seven ranked offensive rating. They went at him and it just they made the Heat fight and struggle for every single play on offense. So I'm glad to see them, you know, fight back and really go down to the end there. The ending was just disappointing.
2: Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into more of the Duncan Robinson thing here as we get to the takeaways. I think the overall impression that I have from today is that the Heat needed a game like this. I, I think this served a lot of different purposes. One is, like you said, uh, it exploited what was a heat strength and is going to force Eric Spolster to make some adjustments, I think, earlier than I anticipated. I thought teams would start to play Duncan Robinson like this as we headed into the playoffs, but now you see it in the second bubble game. This gives you – look, We knew we've talked about it. I mean, Eric knows it. We've talked about it. Uh, on five on the floor incessantly that teams were going to start to play Duncan Robinson and the Heat differently. I just didn't think it was going to happen to quite this degree in this game uh, against a team that you may see down the road that doesn't didn't really need the game. I mean, Toronto is going to be second in the Eastern Conference. They're likely going to play Orlando in the first round. They did not need to make a statement against the Heat today. And yet we saw Nick Nurse, one of the best coaches in the league who deployed the strategy that we've been waiting for other teams to deploy. But I also think that this was positive in a couple of other ways. Excuse me. One is that we did see the Heat fight back. Uh, You did see the Heat bench as a strength, even against a team that has a very deep bench. And then I think the other thing that's positive is you saw some of the problems down the stretch that were kind of rearing their ugly head, like before the break. Um, You know, the Heat was so dominant in overtime that you kind of looked past the fact that some of the execution late was really not great um, in that last month. And we're going to dig into what happened there at the end of the game with Jimmy Butler and other directions that they can go. So I think overall, like this is what you want was a game like this. You don't want to lose it. But I said they've got to win one out of three between Boston, Toronto, and Milwaukee. They still got two to go. I don't know that Milwaukee's going to need that game on Thursday in any significant way. And so I do think they can still get one of them. And I think you're okay with losing. If you're going to lose to this one, this one, or to the Boston game, you'd rather lose this one. So I again, I don't want to be too sunny. I don't want to be the sunny Sylvander here on, on five on the floor, but I, I think you can take away. Wouldn't some that positive. be
0: life?
2: Yes, that would be life. Um, <laughs> let's let's get to let's get to uh, let's get to number one here. You mentioned Duncan Robinson, and I, I think that the biggest statement that was made today is not what I don't really care what Duncan ended up shooting. I guess what was it one of seven from the field? I one no, one of five overall. One of four from three. To me, And to me, the big story with Duncan Robinson is Toronto played him off the floor. Um, he only played 22 minutes, and he was not an option for Eric late in the game, even when I thought that he might be brought in, and I did tweet this right before, do you bring in Duncan just for spacing? And you and I both agreed that Eric should, and he didn't. Yep. He, he stayed with Jay Crowder. That spoke volumes, that you know they made Duncan Robinson – pretty much unplayable late in the game, it's, even even when he could have been. And so I, I will say this. What is – because I asked Dragic about it after the game. He said we just need to get to our triggers, you know, and, and we need to adjust to it. How do they adjust to it? I mean, adjusting
1: to it I think is going to be tough. I think Spo likes these types of challenges. I think they have the proper personnel to adjust to it. I think just because their offense is so good, they have so many weapons on that side of the floor – where I think they could just make simple stuff like adding another action. Well, I'm saying simple, but it would actually make the the plays more complex. Where if you're adding an action, like I think they did against the Nuggets, where Kelly kind of screened and slipped to the uh, to the rim at the same time that Bam was setting the, the dribble handoff for Duncan Robinson. It makes the defense have to kind of make even more decisions at the same time. I think they can do little things like that. It doesn't have to be necessarily that play. But you know what I'm saying? Maybe adding an extra screen before that because they got to do that type of stuff against the league's best defenses specifically when you're throwing guys like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam to just aggressively deny Duncan Robinson it's not like they were just like Duncan was getting the ball and they they were all over him but even more than that it was the way that they were denying the ball it was very Warriors like or the way that teams were guarding the Warriors it's like completely don't even let them get the ball just keep chasing just tire them out because if they're going to run, you know, use it against them. And I think that's exactly what they did at Duncan with length, with guys that are more athletic to him. The the whole Raptors defense, their personnel, it's just A1. I mean, their their defense is really just the most impressive to me in the entire league, the most versatile uh, from 1 to 10. And I, I think it's it was really tough for Duncan, but they're going to end up running more stuff. I think it was good that he got that experience now at the end of the day. More, now before the playoffs.
2: Yeah. And that's why I said it surprised me. I'm surprised. It's like we talked about with Spolster rolling out the zone against Philadelphia in the second matchup of the season. I'm a little bit surprised that Nick. I mean, you want to win the games. I get it. And you want to get your guys conditioned to do the things you're supposed to do defensively and take away the most important players. But I didn't expect a dose of it quite like that. And I do think that, if, look, if it hasn't hit the Heat coaching staff, that we need to figure out other ways to free him. And I think Duncan has done a lot of good things to free himself. But then I think what you saw was he took a couple of forced ones. After There, there seemed to be some frustration that was setting in there. And then, look, it, Olenek got hot. Dragic got hot. Uh, Hero, to a degree, got hot. And it didn't yep. become as necessary to go back to him. And I get that, but they are going to have to look to free went- him up.
1: They went away from Bam and Duncan for that yes. last that last possession. Well, they
2: didn't even play Bam on the last possession. And I don't I don't, don't want to get to the last possession now, but they, they didn't even Yeah, well I think some of that is just Bam is not quite himself yet. Um I, I just I, don't I, I mean whatever.
1: I'm not I, I know Spo like I trust everything as far as as a coach, like I, I trust his decisions. But man, I was it was crazy because we know how much they've relied on on Duncan and Bam. But the thing is mm-hmm. the Raptors neutralized what they do best is that dribble handoff action. They, mm. Bam was not getting any type. Because the thing is, we haven't even mentioned this yet. They had OG on Bam a lot of times, or they had other wings guarding Bam instead of, you know, Gasol guarding Bam. I think they Nick Nurse is very creative with what he does defensively. I mean, on, on both sides of the floor. But because of that, I think Bam wasn't able to get any type of rhythm going because he had different guys guarding him and they weren't. He couldn't really get any type of rolls to the rim because of their size and their defense, just overwhelming. I think. He, he ended up saying Bam and Duncan were not really doing much on offense. I'm just going to go with these other shooters. And then, you know, Jimmy couldn't even get it out to the shooters. That's
2: right. Another right. Story. right. So right. we'll get to that story. All right. So let's get to number two. Uh, and I think we do need to address this, which is Kendrick Nunn, because this story got lost a little bit because, you know, the, the heat made that comeback. But a, a couple of things played in and I, I want to throw Dragic in the mix, too. And let's discuss them together. You know, first thing, with Nunn and with Dragic, I feel like you can tell in the first three minutes. Part of this is I've covered Goron for so long that I just sort of have a sense about it. But I I always end up tweeting in the first three minutes, Goron looks good tonight. Goron looks like he doesn't have his legs tonight. Like, you can tell. And tonight, from the very beginning, it looked like Kendrick Nunn was overmatched, and it looked like as soon as Goran Dragic stepped on the floor that he was energized and had his legs. And obviously... Eric agreed because he did the same thing he always does, which is he puts score on it in the third quarter. And this time he did take him out for two minutes. And that was a rough two minutes, by the way, when he didn't have Dragic or Butler in. And I have more problems with not having Dragic or Butler in than I do with not having Butler or Bam in. I I think they struggle more. if you feel that way,
1: if you feel that way, then you can not also be saying... You know, start
2: Goron because I know because then you're gonna have to pull someone else off the bench. Understood. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but Kendrick Nunn this year, and I don't know what to make of it. He came into the game. I, I, what was it? He was shooting. Uh, I, I ended up crunching the numbers on this. I mean, he, he's shooting like 20% from the floor against the, the Raptors this season, and he was 0 of 7 today. Um I think that defense six, in 16 is minutes too for him, man. He, he, well, he was a minus 16. A team worse, minus 16 in 16 minutes on his 24th, 25th birthday. Not the way he wanted to celebrate it. Two points. Goran ended up playing 28 minutes, was 9 of 14 from the floor, 4 of 5 from the line. That last that free throw hurt a little bit. But he also, I thought Goran was great defensively for him today. Mm-hmm. Um, had 25, 5 and 5 with two steals and a block. Uh, he did have five turnovers, but the but but the ball the ball was in his hands a lot and he was a plus fifteen. So well, I'll ask the ball, I'll ask the bigger picture question here, okay, because you know, I, I Kendrick Nunn is gonna have moments for them. There's no question, okay, and I'm, we're not bashing Kendrick, but you knew this was a bad matchup for him. He didn't play well against Toronto the first two games. And obviously Eric decided to go with a hot hand, which he should have uh, with Goran today. But can you start to make a case if this continues? that you make a change to the starting lineup because, uh, and I know I-, I polled, you know, who do you start, Goran or Nun? And the reason I did that is you can't really start Hero, even though Tyler looked good today, because we've talked incessantly also about how Dragic and Nunn don't play well together. I mean, they're a minus, uh, I think, minus 2.2 2 per 100 possessions, whereas Goran and Jimmy are like a plus 7 per 100 possessions. I mean, they just don't play well together. When do you make the change? How many games does Kendrick need to struggle before you say, we're going to play the guy who's tested in these situations as a starter?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm honestly biased at this point. I think the hero option should be in there as just, you know, just as equal an opportunity, even though, like you said, none and Dragic haven't played well together. I almost trust Dragic that much off the bench as a floor general, whereas if you bring, let's say, your, your backup guards are hero and none, which, again, that sounds great. And maybe it would work, but I would be a little bit more nervous about the way it looks because I don't think Nunn is a point guard at all. I think Hero would actually be the better handler of that group. But at the same time, I want Hero coming off of curls. And I like the way Goron attacks the rim and and still is kind of just a better floor general than Kendrick Nunn is at this point. Uh, I love the idea of Jimmy starting there with Hero, with Duncan, and then with whoever else Bo wants to throw there, which it seems like it's going to be Jay Crowder going forward. But I, I think that's, that's an amazing idea. I think that could be an explosive lineup. And maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I, maybe there's something here that I'm missing, and that's why they haven't run it so much. But I just think that kind
2: of mitigates some of their problems when you go big. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea.
1: and you're kind of running this guy who you think is going to be a star, give him these reps now to play off of your best players
2: and get a bunch of good looks and some confidence. But if you do that, like I said, then you're the trade – with all of these decisions, there's a trade-off, right? If you start Dragic, you don't have him quarterbacking the second unit. If you start Hero, you're committing to Dragic and none playing together or you're committing to Kendrick not playing as much – and And I don't know if that's the direction that this ends up going, and I, look, I think they're going to keep him keep it the same way. I think you know going to keep starting. I think I think he is, but I'm saying if you made the look we I think a lot of us think that Tyler Hero is going to be their starting two guard next year. Uh, the, the question is, is, is this next year? H- have you fast Whoa. forwarded things because you had because you had that long break, uh, because Tyler has come back clearly, you know, open and willing and perhaps able to add more to his plate. That you make that decision now, but the concern is, you know, what the bench unit looks like. Like you said, if you don't have, you know, you're going to have to stagger a lot if you're because you cannot
1: do you though. If you're running a bench lineup where at the at the end of the day, listen, I'm good with them keeping Kendrick Dunn. I don't want to slander him too much on his birthday. He just played terrible today. Okay, that's why we're going to go ahead him a lot. He was the weak link today on both sides of the floor, and it's fine. He got a lot of looks that he usually makes. Uh, he he looked kind of nervous out there, a little bit shook by their their size and mm-hmm. just their overwhelming defense once again. But I'm not really worried about. I don't think Spo is either. I think again he is just in a perfect role there in the starting lineup. I think that's where he looks the best. But, where, er, and but then you but, bring but, him but off here, the bench, here, but he might thing. still have some of that same effectiveness if you're putting him next to another floor general.
2: He might, but, I, I the, okay, the bigger concern... But it's a gamble like, for sure. The O for 7 and the 20% against Toronto or whatever aside, the, the bigger issue with none that jumped out today is he's going under every screen, Um and well, Van, Van Vliet Van Vliet, I don't just, agree with that. I, okay, well, Van Vliet's going nuts against him, so what's he, happening?
1: No, 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 he went under every screen today, no doubt. No, 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 that's for sure. I was just... I, I thought you were making something, a, a general point there. That The problem with him was he it was kind of, that's part of the drop. The, the scheme is for him mm. to go over and to really chase him down and funnel towards the funnel the player, either towards the mid range of the paint where you, you eventually have the seven footer back there where whereas today. It was the opposite. He was dropping. And mm. I thought that was just, I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to, him to do that or not, but I, I just, it doesn't really make sense because you look at Lowry and Van Vliet, both of those guys can pull up and Van Vliet is more willing to shoot the pull up three than Lowry is. Lowry is playing point guard out there. now that he, you know, before when it was him and DeRozan kind of uh, chugging everything along. Now they have so many weapons and, right. you know, release points from everywhere. He's just playing point guard. Van Vliet can shoot, and he will do that. And I think it was just crazy. He switched on so to this a couple overcompensating?
2: times. Is this Spulcher overcompensating for what we've talked about with the point of attack problems that that you, you're playing, that you're going under so much, but you're doing it against a guy who has proven now? I mean, the, the Van Vliet thing think is not an sense, accident though. at this stage, right? I, I don't I mean, think – I just don't
1: think – I don't know what the the positive is for Spo to make that change to tell him to go on their screens. I think th- that guy is lethal and killed the Warriors in the finals last year doing right. that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's not – it doesn't really make sense what Spo has done all year. I know that, like we talked about, they did change some of their defensive uh, identity just a little bit by by replacing Myers in the starting lineup with Jay because that means they're more willing to switch and more willing to do a little – some. Different stuff on defense that they haven't been able to, but that just doesn't really make any type of sense to me. We need somebody like Nakias to tell me that because I really I can't think of any reason why. And well, that's that's uh, one
2: of that's one of the reasons it's tough now with media because that's the kind of thing. I if you know if they were down in Miami um, and you know he didn't have social distancing, I would try to pull Eric aside and ask that question. But you know we we get these group things and he clearly doesn't want to give a lot away with strategy. It was just. It was odd. I don't want to pile on Kendrick too much either. He could have a bounce-back game against Boston. But I I do think one couple trends we saw with Kendrick during the season. He cleaned up against bad teams. I mean, more so than anybody else on the roster. If you look at his splits against the non-playoff teams versus the playoff teams, he put up a lot of numbers in those situations. When he went against teams that were better defensively with more length, there was more of a struggle. And I I just – you know, I'm just reluctant – I think Tyler Hero is going to be their two guard. Um, I just don't know if Eric does it now, but we've also seen historically that Eric will hold one card back. Okay. Like whole, and then all of a sudden, and Riley used to Maybe do this the too. Card. That may be the card. Okay. That may be the card where first, I mean, we I mean, thought Jake was the card, but that, that's kind of a small change. Making yeah. Tyler Hero a starter is a bigger change. When you think about it,
1: we're talking about, I'm here trying to think of like different ways that they can incorporate more actions into getting Duncan Robinson uh, a look. What better action is there yes. than involving Tyler in some other action yes. on the opposite end of the court where you're like, okay, pick one.
2: Well, and he was open. <laughs> like, it just sounds end. amazing to me. He was open at the end of the game. And so let's get to that. We're just going to do the three takeaways here and then I'll uh, we'll have more for you uh, later later in the evening and, and into the morning. Uh, third takeaway is the end of games situation. So you mentioned it. No Bam, no Duncan on the floor, um, but I, I think we need to talk about this in the context of Jimmy, because I, this this thing with Jimmy has has kind of turned, and I, I put up a poll. And and I, right after the game, and of course, people's, you know, people are emotional after the game and Jimmy, you know, basically made two mistakes right. at the end of the game. Right. I mean, once I, I thought, you know, the first one, you know, Dragic made a bounce pass to him that Jimmy probably should have handled. And the second one, Jimmy made a decision to pass to Goron, which may not have been the best decision. The spacing in that play was, <coughs> was totally off, but it didn't look like the best decision. I pulled it one through four. You know, one, two, three, or four. What is your level of confidence in Jimmy? And it down the stretch, and it basically pulled right down the middle. There's there's a few people who are very confident in him. A few people are very not confident, and most people are kind of, yeah, sorta. I put a three. I voted a three. (laughs) <laughs> okay, you voted a three, and we went from one to four, with four being the most confident. But there were a lot of twos in pretty there. a pretty
1: random, like, by the way, random scale for you to put there. I've never, I don't know if I've ever
0: seen
2: one Well, to what four. am I supposed to do? Twitter only gives you four options. So I, cho- I chose what I could choose. Uh, but I, I do think it's an open question now because here's why. We saw Jimmy at the end of games was taking that sort of Wade fallaway jumper, even if the jumper wasn't going. Now it seems like they don't even want to do that. I mean, Jimmy took how many jumpers today? One?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I I think he was trying to do some stuff in the post, but I don't know if he ever ended up taking any of those post fades. Well, Iguadala did. Oh I my god, that. that was baffling. I mean, okay, Iguadala's but- shot like when it comes off his hand, I just don't trust it at all. I think that's <laughs> the difference between him and Jake Crowder now.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, that it didn't look good. Um, but okay, so he's taken one jumper through two games, I think. So, so he's not even, they're not even running. I mean, they were running stuff to get Jimmy to the basket. I thought that the second, to last, well, I thought the second to last play when he had Lowry on his back was the right call. Dragic, uh, the dive, pick and roll. Dragic identified it. Jimmy, Mm -hmm. Jimmy looked a little bit out of sorts um, in those situations. Like not, he was very engaged early in the game and didn't seem as engaged late in the game. But if he's, if if they're not if he's not comfort, comfortable with his jumper and they're not running stuff to get him a jumper late, which makes sense, then it is going to be about kind of his intelligence, his IQ, which is very high at the end of games to make the right decision to not turn the ball over. And then today you had, I think that's what shook Heat fans a little bit because it was one thing for Jimmy to take a shot that they didn't want him taking at the end of games and missing it. Dwayne did that stuff all the time, okay? So you can kind of look past that. But when Jimmy makes, you know, what are sort of, Effort and I wouldn't say concentration. Mistakes late in the game is not what you're anticipating. Does it give you, I mean, any less confidence? Because he's going to be on the floor and he is their most important player. Yep. Late in games.
1: Well, yeah, it's definitely going to take away my confidence, especially when you don't have Duncan or Bam out there, who I think are just as important uh, to the team as he is at this point. You know, maybe I'm not going to say Duncan is as important as Jimmy, but the end of the day, that's what this team is about. It's those three, but. You're right, though. Jimmy just doesn't look like the same ISO, uh, you know, fourth quarter crunch time player that he was before where he could really get whatever shot that he wanted. And and he did do a lot of these same, like, hero ball, you know, step back tough shots, but he would actually get some separation. He would get a good look, a good enough look, right? Whereas now a lot of times it looks awkward, and I don't think he's a bad crunch time player or anything. I just think they can't do the hero ball stuff with him. I don't think he's at that point in his career anymore, especially when he hasn't made any type of jumpers all year. I think basically the jumpers that I'm confident in him taking now, you know, in the NBA, not saying he can't drain open jumpers, but uh, basically is when if he gets a, a pass, he's in the mid-range, and he just steps into an open jumper, like kind of like what Bam does. Those mm-hmm. I'm good with him taking. And then mm-hmm. also what I really like is when he backs down somebody smaller than him, like a Van or a Lowry, and we will take a post-fade over them. I think he's got some confidence on those. Other than that, he like when was the last time you saw a player drop on a pick-and-roll and him shoot it? He doesn't do it very often. He doesn't do it. So if the team knows what he's going to do, it takes away the idea of him being an ISO guy. It's either, well, if he doesn't get to the free throw line, you got to hope that he makes probably not a good look. So I think they they just got to do some more complex stuff. And frankly, I'm not <laughs> – I don't even. This is gonna sound bad. Spo could learn a couple of things from Nick
0: Nurse when <laughs> it comes
1: to when it comes to th- just that part of it. Okay, I'm not saying Spo has done it in the past. I'm not trying mm. to trash Spo here. I'm really not. I'm just saying that something Nick Nurse is a little bit more willing to do stuff like that. And yeah, I think I think they got to be a little bit more. But, but this, so this isn't just he can't I, do it by I, himself.
2: No, I, okay, I, he can't do it by himself. But I I do think it's equal parts here, and, and I think what's happened. Is that as much as Jimmy you know talks about you know in his quote, you know nobody's going to be talking about my jumper if we win a championship, and as much as you know players say, get without the jumper pl- players say that they, they don't they're not affected by the noise about a certain part of their game they are they are i mean even Le- even LeBron was even Dwayne was when when there were criticisms of certain part of their game, they heard it. And then you know the the ultimate example is the eleven finals where you know LeBron let uh, you know Greg Doyle you know who at the time I think was CBSsports.com get in his head you know with a question about the fourth quarter and he couldn't stop telling his associates about it the whole damn week and it was oh. it was in, it, it, it was in it was in his head. I, I just wonder. Not with the Jim- greatest part to bring up the 2011 finals. No, but I'm no, but I'm saying <laughs> though I wonder with Jimmy if. If there if it is in his head a little bit because like you met, there was one sequence today and i'll have to go back and look at it but it was in the first quarter when i thought he was highly aggressive and i, I really thought was he was playing well he kept but taking he, it to the smaller
1: guys i love but he, he literally
2: that. euro stepped the air once to avoid taking a, a 15 foot pull-up i mean he ended up i think he ended up getting to the line he might have even gotten an n1 out of it
1: But why doesn't Jimmy take those hero shots? I mean, I'm talking about Tyler Hero, not (laughs) Hero Ball. I should have said that, but you know, Tyler Hero like has no problem sinking those little leaners and stuff. Like he doesn't even really want to take those either. I
2: don't think I. I think that it is a confident look, and when I when I tried to talk to people about around Jimmy, that there is a sensitivity about this, about the jump shot. And it was—is the wrist the problem? Was the ankle the problem? Was there some other problem? And, and what I was told was he just needs to see the ball go in. Well, okay, all of those things case, are probably
1: factoring. Right? It,
2: but right? I don't—I don't know though. He's had three, four months to heal. He looks physically healthy. True, true. true. I—I I, just—I just wonder if it is. And he—his legs looked really fresh at the start of this game. I just wonder if it is just what everybody has said around him was is just seeing the ball go in. But it's been so long since he's seen it go in in a game. Yep that I I just – maybe he's – he just looks reluctant to shoot it. And it does take away some of their options. They could
1: run more complex stuff. Like, I mean, I'm again, I'm not trying to trash here. I'm just not – I've never been a fan of the hero ball stuff. I I don't mind it if, like, you got to do it, right? Or, you know, they've had some teams where a little bit more clogged up on offense. This is not one of those teams. They have the number one true shooting percentage team. They could have done something there, a little bit more creative. It's fine. It's the seeding game. It's not a playoff game. It's not the end of the world. We're you know we're just breaking it down with a microscope. That's definitely what you would say. why was the spacing
2: suffering. so off on that last play? Because I, I thought, look, I, I thought the second, weird. To, right, the, the the second to last play, again, I thought Goran identified the mismatch. They had they had Jimmy go in the basket, and Gasol was coming over. Van Jimmy Veed was going to have to Jimmy was going to have to finish against size, but but you know or make a, make a pass out to somebody cutting. But there was a play there. The last one just didn't look right. Like something was off. Why is Goron the one making the cut there? I mean, he's not going to finish against size in that situation. Uh, you know, I looked like hero was sprung, but that one just didn't work. But again, there was a concentration issue. I just, the, to me, look, all this stuff can be schemed around to a certain degree. They have lots of shooters. They have lots of options, but ultimately, you know, this team, and I think we close here and then we'll get back to some other stuff, uh, you know, with, uh, with a separate post tonight. I think this team, look, Jimmy is the heartbeat of it still. I mean, Bam may turn into the best player, but Jimmy's the heartbeat. If he's not confident in those situations, it does take something, and he's not concentrating like he can, it does take something away from them. And uh, I I think one of the important things to see here over the next six games is Jimmy close a game. I I think that would make, I think, fans (laughs) and maybe some of the organization – feel a little better going into the postseason. See him finish one. And, and he yeah. can. He's done it. But I think you want to see it. All right. Um, that's it for the postgame pod portion of this. And if you're listening on Dash Radio, we'll be right back after a break. If you're listening on our podcast feeds, then you'll get another episode from us Ethan, in a few hours. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network.